We're in a series right now entitled Bible Stories where we're looking at various lesser-known Bible characters and seeking to discover how we can learn principles from their life and how we can overcome different trials in our own lives. We've looked over the last number of weeks at overcoming rebellion, overcoming exhaustion, overcoming our past, and today it's overcoming pain. The author Max Lucado, in his book, Facing Your Giant says this, Two types of thoughts continually vie for your attention. One proclaims God's strengths. The other lists your failures. And even today, as we open up God's Word today, and if you need a head start finding the book of 1 Chronicles, go ahead and open your Bibles to 1 Chronicles chapter number 4. We'll get there in a few moments' time. And maybe in your mind, the things that are vying for your attention is the fact that God loves you and cares for you, has a plan and a purpose for your life. He sent His Son, Jesus, to come to earth to die on the cross for your sins and give you life, not just for now, but for all eternity in heaven. And the other side of that is, all the pain uh, that you're currently experiencing and experienced in the past and maybe even the negative anticipation of the things that are going to happen in the future. What's vying for your attention? The truth of God's word or your present circumstances that become a burden on your back that you carry around year after year. And maybe you've been carrying around these burdens day after day, week after after a week and as you begin to think through all these various pains in your life they build up and they build up and then you find yourself decade after decade after decade being overwhelmed with the weight of your past and weight of your pain so therefore what we hear of god we know it but i'm yet to experience it I can see the truth of God's love and I can see the, the healing power of, uh, through prayer. But then I, I haven't felt it for so long because the decade after decade of overwhelming pain. And that's where we want to look at in our Bibles today and discover some truth from the word of God that will challenge us. We're going to build on a principle that we discussed last week. And the underlying principle was let God be God. I've been trying to put that into practice this week. God, in every opportunity and every circumstance, there's an opportunity for you to work in my life. Something seemingly negative may have happened or positive, and you are always at work around us. So therefore, I'm not going to take back control. I'm going to let God be God. That's our challenge and our underlying foundation for today as we grow and to develop. You found First Chronicles chapter number four. It's in the Old Testament. It's a history book. It lines up very closely with the book of First and Second Samuel. Line up very closely with First and Second Chronicles. They're a history book written in, in the time period, quite a while after the event by the prophet Ezra. And to put you in the time frame, Israel had and Judah had been taken away into captivity to Babylon. And then God had brought them back to Israel. And Ezra, the scribe and really the prophet, was writing these, the history of Israel in order to give these people, as they're returning back to their homeland, a true sense of identity, 
a sense of the fact that God has a purpose for them. They're not just some cosmic accident, but God from the very beginning of time goes through and has a, I have a plan and a purpose for you. Here's how I'm working in your nation and in your individual lives. So as these people would have read this book, they would have given them a real sense of, of identity and a sense of strength, knowing that God is with us. And therefore, we must let God be God. If you've ever read through your Bible, First Chronicles, the first nine chapters, are one of those parts of the book where you can't wait to get to chapter number 10, where the real story starts. Because if you go back to chapter number 1, verse 1, it begins with a genealogy that begins with Adam. And it goes through the genealogy of Israel. And you go, this person and his sons were this, 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 and this. And it goes through different families, all the different tribes. It lays out the family of David, King David. And then also lays out the family of Saul, who became King Saul. And it puts it all into perspective. And then somewhere in the middle, with all this, this person beget, this person beget, this person, this person's father it takes a slight little pause in chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, and it talks about a man named Jabez. Now, our principle for today is this. God can use my pain to fulfill His purposes. That was easy to write. It's a great deal more difficult to experience and live. God can use my pain to fulfill His purposes purposes. In the year 2000, a quite well-known book by a man named Bruce Wilkinson called The Prayer of Jabez really brought out the account and the story of Jabez into to common public. In fact, I don't believe I've ever preached on Jabez before because it was very, in a sense, in the early 2000s, everyone was preaching about it and talking about it. Now it's been 20 years, and I think we've kind of began to forget about some of these positive principles. So what we're going to do today is underline, give a foundation of who Jabez is and some application for overcoming the pain in our life. And then next week, we're going to be looking at what's known as the prayer of Jabez and breaking that down and seeking to make some personal application and positive application. The real key and underlying principle here is that this is not a get-rich-quick prayer. This is the secret formula to manipulate God to get on my side so that I can be rich. This is actually an underlying principle of getting our hearts and our minds lined up. Remember we talked earlier about the things that are vying for our attention? Well, I want to be have, hear from God as He's vying for our attention and the truth of the Word of God so that my prayers line up with His will. In First. Chronicles chapter number 4, verse 9 says this. Jabez, this is after a whole bunch of genealogies, and all of a sudden it takes a pause, and it says, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. His name literally means sorrow. Like, what a beautiful name. I'm going to name my son Sorrow. 
He hurt me a lot in childbirth, and I want everyone to know about it. Every single time they say his name forever, I want them to know about my labor pains and how much he hurt me. That's quite literally what it, what it was. So his name is called pain. Verse number 10. Jabez called upon the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border and that your hand might be with me and that you would keep me from harm so that it may not bring me pain. And God granted what he asked. Then verse number 11 continues on with the family genealogy for another five chapters. It's a little snippet. We don't know a great deal, and there's been some speculation about who he is and what we, but based upon the, the writings, we don't know a great deal other than he was honorable, he, was, he caused his mother a great deal of pain, and he prayed a prayer that God listened to, and it says in verse number 10, and God granted what he asked. Today we're setting that foundation. Next week we're going to look at the prayer itself and break that down. But Jabez means sorrow and pain. But when we think of Jabez, we don't think about the sorrow and the pain. We often think about answered prayer and blessing. And our points this morning have three R's. Now how is it possible that we have blessing and answered prayer with a guy whose foundation is set upon with pain. Well, three R's is how to overcome pain is to receive your potential, recognize your reality, and then finally rely on your God. We're going to break them down this morning. The first point is receive your potential. That's our first point, how to overcome pain. Verse number nine says, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. The end of verse 10 says, and God granted what he asked. His potential was not based upon who he necessarily was in the past. Something that I find quite remarkable is that we all have potential. Every single one of us has tremendous potential that we must receive. We can't just go through the motions of life and say, well, I don't have potential, but if I only had what that person had, then I would have potential. God looks at you and says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. I've created you with a plan and with a purpose. And those are the sort of things that are vying for our attention. The truth of the word of God or the fact that, well, my potential isn't what somebody else's potential is, so therefore I just don't have a potential. Or if I only had the potential someone else had. And we begin to think through that year after year, decade after decade. We forget that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And we begin to focus upon the things that we don't have. We have equal access to God's favor. In the book of Titus, chapter number 2, verse number 11, it's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation. That last line? For all people. That changes our perspective on everything. Therefore, when Jesus Christ came to earth, he didn't just come for the ones that are seemingly successful, that have all the talent. 
He came for every single person. So we have equal access to God's favor. Equal access to God's favor does not mean or does not add up to equal reward. We as a local church have been the recipients of incredible grace of God. The location where we meet is an incredible gift of God and His grace. Some of the things that God has done in our life and opening up doors of opportunity that we haven't had to knock on and bang on. God just opened up the doors of opportunity. We walk through them. Uh, for instance, meeting here in this location, this wasn't something we asked for. They invited us to begin to meet here. You know, we don't pay any rent to meet here at the school because they want us to be here. Now, we certainly help and we clean. If there's anything that needs to be done, we pay for it because we're not mooches. But on the other side is that God opened up a door of opportunity. Do you know how many tens of thousands of dollars a year that saves us in rent? And we can get back on and think to ourselves, well, God gave us incredible blessing. And then we see somebody else with a, you know, so, you know, a bigger building or a bigger church or different opportunities. And we go, oh. If I only had what they had, then we could do so much more. And we forget that equal access does not add up to equal reward. God has given you what he need, you need to uniquely fulfill his purpose in your life. And sometimes, much like our principle, God can use your pain to fulfill his purposes. We have equal access to God's favor. We also have an exciting anticipation of God working. Anticipation is really the key. Have any of your kids started to write their Christmas list? Or have any of you adults written your Christmas list for, your, for someone else? Like, I'll be writing it. My wife's going to Perth today, and she'll see my parents. I'll be writing my Christmas list this afternoon so she can present it to my parents. We can make sure that I get what I want because the exciting anticipation, the exciting anticipation that God is working. That going back to Titus chapter 2, verse 11, it says, For the grace of God, the word grace is God's favor bestowed upon the undeserving. It's in regards to our salvation. It's in regards to after we have salvation, our daily walk with Him is always the undeserved favor of God says has appeared it's appeared it's not going to appear the grace of god has appeared and the reason why that little word has is so incredibly important is that you know this isn't something distant in the future or way in the past it is here today so therefore every single time we come together in church guess what god is at work there's an opportunity for God to do something absolutely miraculous even today. That's one of my greatest motivations. There's an old joke about the school principal who, who didn't want to go to school, and they, you know, they say, but you have to. You're the principal. Well, in a similar way, they go, well, you have to go to church because you're the pastor. Well, I don't have to be here. I want to be here because every single week there's something happening. There's new people coming into our church every single Sunday. We, I don't think we've had a Sunday this year that we didn't have very first time people come to church. And I look at that and think, Who, what potential is walking through the door today? That's exciting anticipation that God is at work. Something that kind of makes me nervous is to think that with this coronavirus injection is that they're going to make us all get 
injections. And my wife's here, and she knows that that's real men don't like needles. <laughs> and the fact that a, a foreign object is going to be pushed into my body, and when fluid is either pushed in or sucked out, real men don't like that. And I, I heard that. I was like, surely they can make a pill. <laughs> surely there's something that can happen. The anticipation has already begun of the pain that will happen. I will take it because real men can handle it. But it, it's not fun. Another illustration. I, I've lost illustrations today. My wife has a dog. And some of you have met my wife's dog, and it's not mine. And the, <laughs> and the dog, if you say a G word, the word go, her ears perk up, and she runs to the door, and she runs back, and she can't wait to go in the car. And she sees a suitcase or something. She knows that she's going to go, and she gets all shaky. And then when you go, and you take her, and she knows that she's at the vet, <laughs> then she starts shaking some more. It's anticipation. And that's a silly illustration of a dog. But how about when we hear the word, God is working, does we just go, oh, that's nice. I would much rather have the anticipation, much like that, you know, my, Tammy's dog, like, oh, I'm so excited. I can't wait to see what God's going to do. We have youth camp coming up in January. I can't wait for youth camp. Because I know at youth camp, there's going to be well over 100 children there. And there's going to be young people that come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. There's going to be positive and remarkable decisions made for Christ that are going to transform their life. And the investment that we make in order to send our kids there is a significant financial investment. And it's an inconvenience for many of us. But you know what? The anticipation that God is going to work outweighs any of that. So we go back and we realize that we have tremendous potential that God's ready to give us. But sometimes we're there with our arms folded. And sorry if you have your arms folded today. It's not talking about you. And you have your arms folded as if you're saying, God, I dare you to give me potential. You ever try to catch a ball with your arms folded? You end up getting hit in the face. And you know the thing that God throws and gives you potential and opportunity after opportunity after opportunity? We go, boom, boom. I'm missing it, I'm missing it, I'm missing it. Jabez, as a man, he was, says that he was more honorable than his brothers. He was given what he asked for by God because he also had to recognize where he was and recognize his reality. His reality was his name that he was carrying around at all times. That's the second point this morning, is to recognize your reality. Pride is often a barrier to us recognizing our reality. We're too proud to admit when we have done wrong, to admit that we need to confess our sins. In 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9, it says, His mother called his name Jabez. Now, I'm glad it defined it, because otherwise we think of the name Jabez. You go, that's nice. That's just like any other nice name. Except it was a real curse on his life. And you imagine having to carry around the name, Hello, my name is I Called My Mother Pain. Oh, what a beautiful name. What are you going to name your child? I'm going to name him He Hurt Me. Because I bore him in pain. Jabez's pain was not his fault or his failure, but it certainly was his reality. Like, I know that 
I caused my mother pain in birth. Do you think of the reality and to recognize where you are today is that I've caused pain. I, just think of ourselves, take Jabez out of the picture for a moment. Where is your reality? What are your abilities and what are your inabilities? What are the opportunities and what are the closed doors? Where are you today and what's the reality? First of all, that we must accept our past. Accept what has happened in our past. Jabez carried around a label of his name, a label of regret and of pain. We see account after account after account. I'm going to use some well-known, famous people of the Bible. The label of, of regret. Moses was a murderer. David, King David, was an adulterer and a murderer. You kind of see a theme here. Peter, the apostle Peter, the disciple of Jesus Christ, denied Jesus Three times in one night. Paul, the Apostle Paul, was a persecutor and also a murderer. We have a label of regret. And you can carry those labels of their past sins and those past failures around decade after decade. And they can become who you are. Maybe you have a label on your chest right now and says, Hello, my name is, and you begin to name your greatest regret. Your greatest pain that you've caused. Hello, my name is Jabez because I cause pain. I cause sorrow. In ancient times, a name would often be either a prophecy of future events for a person or also it would describe the circumstances about them. And Jabez had to break that prophetic aspect of his name and say, that's who I was in the past. Yes, I caused my mother pain. I have to face reality. I have to carry this name around of who I am. But that doesn't preclude me or stop me from moving forward in the future. And I want you to think about that in your life. Maybe you've been carrying around this name of your failure and your pain, and you need to face the reality that that is who you were. But because of Jesus Christ, now you have been forgiven. Like verse says, his mother called his name Jabez because I bore him in pain. This Yesterday, as I was reviewing the message, I started thinking about the pastors of our church, myself, Dwayne, and Kale, and what our names meant. So I looked them up. And because this actually story makes me look really good, I'm going to tell it. Because Michael is a well-known name, and Michael is a name that's named after the archangel Michael, and it quite literally means, who is like God. That's not a bad name. I'll take that one. I looked up Dwayne. You know what Dwayne means? Dark. I don't know if it means dark personality or dark hue. It just means dark. And then I looked up Kale, and I actually laughed out loud. Because one of the definitions is brave. I thought, that's a good, the other one is dog. (laughs) Your name, hopefully, isn't a prophecy of who you are. You want, as far as who you are and your name, to mean something. But we have here, we have the, the accept our past. But we don't just accept our past to remain where we are. We accept our past so we can advance forward. We want to learn from the mistakes of our past so we can move forward in our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. There are things in your past that you may be carrying around as a label on your chest year after year, decade after decade. And it says in verse 9, 
Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. He didn't start strong. He started off in pain and in sorrow. He had the label on his chest of who he was. But the end of it says, but he actually ended up being more honorable than all those around him. That's someone we can learn. He advanced forward through that. Similar way, we look at the account of Moses. Moses was a murderer, but he also was a man who talked with God face to face. He had the the honor of standing on Mount Sinai and seeing the the back of God, the glory of God, receiving the Ten Commandments. Could you imagine? The Bible says that he talked to God as if he talked with a friend. What an incredible privilege. He finished stronger than he started. David, a murderer, an adulterer, he was known as a man after God's own heart, wrote the majority of the Psalms, a beautiful picture of his relationship with God. He also is a man who was honored with being the great, 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 great grandfather of Jesus Christ himself. Peter, denier of Jesus Christ, became the leader of the first church in Jerusalem. The apostle Paul, a murderer and a persecutor of the church, became the greatest missionary that the world has ever known in preaching the gospel in unknown and unreached areas. God used people with the negative label of pain and regret in their past, but God, through his mercy and grace, allowed them to move forward and advance forward to do great things. Can you imagine where you are if you could just replace that label and accept God's forgiveness a look with anticipation of where God's going to work and join him in that work? Imagine the potential in this room right now to do incredible things in our local community around us. I firmly believe that we have not peaked in our relationship with God. There's tremendous opportunity. We've been having meetings and and discussing uh, and meeting with people around us and opportunity after opportunity are coming up. We want to begin preparing you in your hearts to receive the things that God has for us. We want to finish strong. Jabez means sorrow and pain. But when we think of Jabez, we think of blessing. How can that be? We must receive your potential. You must recognize your reality. The third point is to rely on on God. Rely on your God. Verse 10 says, Jabez called upon the God of Israel. How was he going to overcome his past? How was he going to become more honorable than his brothers? How was he going to receive the God's blessings? First of all, it says, Jabez called upon the God of Israel. Talking with God is a wonderful privilege that we have. And talking with God is one of those things where you may have been taught as a child, you pray for the food, you pray for the nice day, you pray for the sickness and various things. But it's, it's more of a conversation in regards to who we are to change our mind. It's not God being a genie in the bottle that we rub, and if we rub it correctly and our good outweighs our bad, that somehow God's going to bless us. It comes down to allowing God or letting God be God in our life. First Peter chapter 3, verse 12 says, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are open to their prayer. God 
much like we challenge you to be anticipating God working, God is there with open ears ready to hear our prayers. When we talk to God, some of the things that we do are often we do it because it works. We do things because we're used to it. You find that you pray prayers that you can just rotely recite them. And next thing you know, I have no idea what I just said. It just wrote, came out. Now, thank you, God, for the food. Amen. You know, it, just, it just came out. But when we pray, and we're given an example in the book of Matthew by Jesus himself in the Lord's Prayer. We've given other insights into our, our prayer life. What we find, and we, we, we often pray, is we pray directly to God. I don't find anywhere in the Bible we're commanded to pray to the Holy Spirit or to Jesus. What we do find is that we pray and we have access directly to God the Father. Who gives us the strength and the power? We pray in the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit through the authority of Jesus Christ. That's why by, by tradition because God knows how our prayers. We don't have to say the words in order to remind him, but to remind myself when I pray, often I'll pray, dear Heavenly Father or, or dear Lord or God. And then we pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the end of the prayer, I'll say, in Jesus' name, amen. You may think we do that by tradition, but it's actually to remind ourselves of who gives us access to directly to God. The throne room of God is directly to the Father in the power of the Spirit through the authority of Jesus. That gives us incredible strength. That means the entire Trinity is involved in our prayers. So therefore, when we pray, we don't just pray rote prayers or, or flippant prayers. I thank God for the food. Amen. But see how fast we can get through it so I get to my food. It's a matter of I'm praying and the entire Trinity is involved in this. That's absolutely incredible. Because if God really is God the creator of the universe, that changes everything. If the Holy Spirit really is living inside of you and guiding you and molding you and convicting you and revealing all truth to you and sealing your salvation, that changes absolutely everything. If Jesus Christ really is the Savior of the world, if He really is at the right hand of God the Father right this minute, and the Bible says, interceding on our behalf, that changes our prayer life completely. So therefore, when we pray, we're simply saying, God, what it is that you want in my life, I want for my life. Will you please mold me and change me and conform me into your will so that I don't pray one thing that's outside of your will? When we pray, we must pray and ask God for wisdom. We all need wisdom. In James chapter 1, verse 5, it says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Does, do any of us lack wisdom? I'll raise my hand first. I don't know, so therefore, God, I need you to guide me and mold me and shape me. I'm going to walk through the next four things very quickly. They're on your notes in your bulletin, and I don't have time to go through them in depth. There's different types of prayer. There's prayers of adoration. The prayers of adoration is when we give God the glory and the praise that He deserves. We have prayers of confession. We find like verses in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Those are the, the prayers of confession when we do wrong. We have prayers of thanksgiving. 
and we begin to be grateful for the God's blessings around us. And that's an important prayer because it makes us aware of what's taking place around us. And God, you are constantly at work. Thank you for what the blessings you've given to us. One of the challenges that I've given to myself, and I'll give to you as well, I drive past the school multiple times a day. I pray for the school all the time. God, will you bless them? Will you protect them? When I, I you know, pray for teachers that come to my mind, pray for students that come to my mind. God, will you just take the opportunity to drive past? Pray for our church family. It's a, it's a positive reminder. Maybe you need some positive reminders around you of things. Like every time you go to the fridge, <laughs> I'm gonna, that maybe keep you from going to the fridge so much. Next thing is the prayer of supplication. The prayer of supplication is, is a word that literally means, the word supplication literally means to need or want, but it's also request and petition. And those are the majority of our prayers often. God, will you do this, 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 and this. The prayers of supplication, the prayers of request. I often, in those prayers of supplication, pray for our missionaries. As you go out this week, my challenge is for you is to let God be God to receive your potential, to recognize your reality, and then finally, rely on your God so that you can let God be God. Why don't you stand with me as we pray? And as I pray, I want you to pray where you are. Maybe there's prayers of confession you need, prayers of adoration, prayers of thanksgiving, or even prayers of supplication, saying, God, I need you in my life today. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you that you don't leave us where you found, found us. When you've forgiven us of our sins, that you take us and you mold us and you shape us. You give us a future and a hope that is far beyond anything we can imagine for ourselves because it's from you. Lord, I pray that as we pray, that we pray and we, we pray and we know that we're praying directly to God the Father. We're praying in your spirit and constantly you're shaping us. You're revealing truth to us through your Holy Spirit. And Lord, thank you for the authority that we have in the name of Jesus. That what we pray, we don't pray in our own strength and our own authority. We pray directly to you, God, through Jesus Christ. And Lord, thank you for his role in saving us and his role of interceding for us even right this moment. Lord, thank you that you've given us the blessings. And I pray that we're ready to receive them and walk through them. In Jesus' name, amen.